Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for this morning and the opportunity we have uh, to come and study and learn more about your word uh, and how it applies to our life. And sometimes we, we read of examples of, of godly women and then there's other, other cases where uh, maybe there's some things we can learn about how not to live. And so, Lord, in either circumstance, Lord, I pray that it's not just words on a page, but we apply it to our life so we can better glorify you. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Uh, as you see by the text that we have, Genesis chapter 39, we're going to be looking at the entire chapter. And it is undoubtedly a passage that if you've been in the church for any amount of time or ever went to a Bible class, you've probably heard this story before, but we've always looked at it uh, Really looking at Joseph, but we're going to take a, a, a look at a different character in here uh, and see what are some things that we can learn about this unnamed woman, at least from the Bible, uh, and, and see if we can uh, come up with some applications for her and her life. Okay, let's go ahead and begin. Uh, let's take a moment uh, as, as we um, read the text of Genesis 39. Uh, once again, just a reminder, if Moses was in fact the author of the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the, of the Bible, um, he was not alive when it happened. Uh, and so most likely, this is a story that would have been passed down orally for hundreds of years before it ever made it onto papyrus. Uh, and, and then, of course, most people couldn't read it then anyway. So when most people heard this story... Back in Old Testament times, it would have been sitting down and their their parents or an aunt or uncle or grandparents or somebody would be sharing this story with them. And so this is how they would have uh, been introduced to it, was hearing it. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, uh, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken them there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all, all the things that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. 
One day when he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside, she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called to her household servants, Look! She said to them, This Hebrew has brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But Joseph was there in prison. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Okay, this is a rather long passage, and while we're not going to concern ourselves too much with the second half of verse 21 and following, there's still 19 verses in which we want to look at. Uh, so tell me, first off, what are some things that you notice in here? Uh, eventually, we'll narrow down to Potiphar's wife, but is there anything in this passage that strikes you as interesting? Wherever he goes, he's put in charge. Okay. We saw this uh, at Potiphar's house. Uh, we see this again in prison. It's going to reference. For those of you who have cheated and have read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, you know that this is going to happen again. Okay? Um, here's the best way that I can, you know, uh, visually describe Joseph's life is like this. It is a roller coaster. He's born, he's loved by his father Jacob because he's the special child of the special wife. Uh, the, the mother dies uh, after Benjamin, his other son, is born. Uh, there's great turmoil. He has these visions. His brothers don't like his visions. His dad likes him. He gives him a coat. He throw, he's thrown into a pit and he's going to be killed. But one of his brothers doesn't want to kill him. He's going to save him. But then he goes off into slavery. And then he comes to Potiphar's house. And then he meets Potiphar's wife. And then he goes into prison. And then he get, So we see this over and over and over again. So uh, w w first off, let's go ahead and just make an application to that right now. From Joseph's story, what do we know? God blesses him. What does that mean for you? Yes, this is going to be. This is life. Okay, don't let anybody sell you that this is life. Okay, and and we we do this. I did this. I, I can remember at you know some point maybe my life was down like this, and I said okay. Um, this is when I, you know, put on Jesus in baptism and said, I, my, I'm, 
I'm now living in Christ and everything is uphill and nothing bad is going to happen. No, no, this is, this is life. This is grief, this is forgiveness, this is almost all of our life as we see there's just constant ups and downs. Um, uh, one thing we do know is that Jesus is always with us in these ups and in these downs. Uh, I think I may have shared with you a comic strip I'd seen before. Many of you are, are familiar with the Footprints in the Sand poem. You know, the man has a dream and he sees these footprints, two sets, and sometimes there's only one set. And God says, you know, it's when you see those um, set of footprints, that's when I carried you. Uh, and then I, I've, I saw this cartoon that shows the second one. And it, it shows, look, there's those footprints, that's when I carried you. And see that long rut, that's when I dragged you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so, that, I mean, <laughs> Jesus is willing to, to, to drag us through, and, and even when we're kicking and screaming, he hangs on to us. Okay, so there's one good thing that we see, ups and downs. What else? He okay, he prospered. Okay, even, even when things are going bad. Okay, um, how did, we, we already talked about this, but how did he end up in Potiphar's house? Where was he? Before that, he was sold. He, he was a slave. Uh, I, I'd looked at several different um, diagrams of what houses looked like. <laughs> and we don't know the time frame because we read it so quickly. I mean, because it, it encompasses most likely years. And we read it in just a few minutes. We forget that when he entered into Potiphar's house, he was a slave. Uh, I looked at, at some pictures of what Egyptians' house, houses would have looked like, ones that belonged to rich Egyptians. They were several levels. They were nothing like the peasants uh, of, of Egypt, but they were very nice. Uh, and, but you start off on the bottom. The first floor was where the slaves did their work. Um, they cooked the food. They prepared the wine. Um, they took care of the menial tasks, um, a bottom floor, um, no lights, maybe obviously no lights. I mean, if if they would have had some kind of torches of some kind, maybe it would be very dim. Uh, there would have been maybe a few slits that would have, would have allowed for windows. So I want you to think about the fact that when he entered into Potiphar's house, he didn't enter in and... and wearing you know this coat of many colors he started off at the bottom and before that he was in a well uh, and I have found great comfort in the fact that in order for um, ultimately to him become this is a spoiler here so if you, you haven't read ahead I'm just plug your ears ultimately for him to become um, second in command in all of Egypt the catalyst for that taking place was him being thrown in a well by his brothers. Okay. And the plan, as I referenced earlier, they were going to kill him. That's what they wanted to do. But it was Reuben who said um, he was going to cut. They said, well, let's not kill him just yet. His plan was to come back and save him. But they sold him off into slavery. But he's down in the bottom of this well um, it's dark and dirty and stinky, and as he can hear the laughs of his brother saying, oh, how great are you now? And I don't know if he could hear as they started to say, hey, let's go tell his dad that, we, you know, that he's been eaten by this ferocious you know, lion. And so I don't know how much of him hear, but the, I, I'm pretty sure that's the bottom. 
I mean, that's, that's bottom. When your family throws you in a well, they're conspiring to kill you. That's just about the bottom. And that's, that's how he ultimately ended up uh, in, in such a high position. And God used the bottom of a well to get him there. I'm sorry, I'm so off topic. We're supposed to be talking about Potiphar's wife. We're getting there. Okay, so what else? Okay, that's right. Um, and this is a good segue. I'm, I want to read this. Um, uh, Judy mentioned that he, um, it took a while for her to take notice of him. This, we have um, other historical documents that are not biblical in nature. And, and some of them we can assume that may have some historical accuracy to them. Others, we don't believe that they do. But here's what, um, uh, what um, these two writers um, wrote about the situation between jo- Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Uh, it says this, Two of the finest poems in the Persian language were on the subject of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. They are both entitled Yusuf v. Zulika. These poems represent Joseph as the most beautiful and pious of men, and Zulika the most chaste, virtuous, and excellent of women, previous to her having seen Joseph. Did you catch that? We don't know. I mean, according to this tradition, it was that, hey, she was a really good woman until she met Joseph. But they state that when she saw him, she was so deeply affected by his beauty that she lost all self-government and became a slave to her passion. Now, I don't know how true that is, but I do know and I think we all know that there are people who can be very virtuous uh, and very godly people who get caught in a sin. And as you have heard the saying, you know, the bigger they are, the farther they fall. Okay, and so I think this should remind us that no one is immune to this. Um, that there has to be... Um, conscientious thoughts that say, I will not get in this position. David and Bathsheba. Where was David when he saw Bathsheba? And do you remember the, the, the statement that was made? When kings were normally where? At war. David is on the rooftop. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And this is something that we cannot overstate to our young guys and gals, especially those preteens and in adolescence. You may be a good person, but if you hang around the wrong people and you're where you're not supposed to be, bad things can happen. I think the police call that guilty by association, something like that. I mean, that's you're, you get in trouble because where you are. Yes, everybody seemed to talk about him. Uh, here's another uh Um, statement about this the beauty of joseph is celebrated over all the east and the persian poets uh, with each other in descriptions of him Uh, muhammad spends the 12th chapter of the quran entirely on joseph and represents him as a perfect beauty and the most accomplished of mortals 
uh, from his accounts, the passion, the passion of Zuleika being known to the ladies of the court, they cast their severest reflections upon him. Basically, they thought he was really good looking. Uh, in order to excuse herself, she invited 40 of them to dine with her. So basically, you know, she notices how good looking he is, and they're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And she says, well, we'll see. So she invites 40 of them together to dine with, with her, uh, and, and he is there with them, they put knives in their hands and gave them oranges to cut and, and caused Joseph to attend. So she had all of her 40 favorite gals. They're peeling oranges with the knives. And she says, hey, Joseph, I need you to come in. When they saw him, they were struck with admiration and so confounded that instead of cutting their oranges, they cut and hacked their own hands, crying out, That's my interpretation. Which... Which says, oh God, this is not a human being. This is none other than a glorious angel. Okay, so um, when we look at this passage, that's when we say, okay, that was written more figuratively. Okay, but nonetheless, there, there have been stories, not unlike what will be written about me, of just how, <laughs> how strikingly handsome Joseph is. Did, uh, okay, I... I even debated this, sharing this with you, because this is an awkward subject, but um, uh, Potiphar worked under Pharaoh. Pharaoh, like all of, all of the rulers, were always jealous and, and somewhat afraid of a coup, of someone overthrowing them and taking over power. And so one of the ways that the Pharaohs in Egypt handled that situation is those that they hired to be the closest attendants, they required them to become eunuchs. Uh, and that required that um, Potiphar would no longer be able to be um, the male in the sense of, oh, I knew this was going to be awkward. Uh, he would have, it, it is, it is, he would have been, okay, we know. He would have been castrated. Uh, and so some suggest that, um, that it was not uncommon for um, women who would have been in a high position um, to chase after slaves or other men, um, being that the fact that their their husband wasn't there for them. Uh, and so, to answer your question, did he have a part in this? You know, I don't really know. Uh, and that's another great reason why I love that we come together and ask questions because I had never thought of that question before. And I just don't know if, and perhaps was the case, he was going to test and see. Um, and so I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the relationship between Potiphar and his wife. Day after day, um, she would not take no for an answer. So, and he was willing to say no after day. Did, did Joseph have a problem maybe a little bit with arrogance? He is. Yes. I'm thinking if I'm Joseph, that's a nice little dream you keep to yourself, okay? This is probably not one of the ones that you should want to, to share. Um, but he, he chose to anyway. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, that is, I mean, that's a true statement, but it's also somewhat of an arrogant statement to make to say, hey, I'm, I'm the man. Uh, but he also, you know, does that in his defense, Jerry from the coat, 
the relationship between Jacob and he, and then he and his brothers, and Jacob and his brothers, and this was a big deal. And the dreams certainly played a part into it when he dreamed that his um, his brothers and his mother and father would bow down to him. Uh, so this is kind of uh, this is very unusual. <laughs> okay, now that's that. Okay, so Gay, are you suggesting that God placed him in that? Are allowed him to be in that well, maybe to temper his arrogance. That's a hurtful thought, and I think it's one hundred percent true. But that God, that God needs to humble us. Uh, you remember the 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 dialogue? It almost was a monologue, really, between Job and God. And God says, "Brace yourself," and He starts asking him some questions. Where were you? When I formed the mountains, you know, let me, it, Job. I know you think that you're great. You didn't do anything wrong, but before you think, start thinking how great you are, you know, I, you just need to remember, I'm God and you're not. Uh, and maybe Joseph had gotten a little bit of that complex. Um, so I, I'll say this: for those of you who have experienced a, um, a a difficult time, just remember that. God can use that to take you to a greater place. What if, what if Joseph had never ended up in that well? Let's just let's play it out for just a second. And we're so far off from Potiphar's wife, I apologize. But I'll just say, if he wasn't in the well, he doesn't end up as a slave. He doesn't go to Potiphar's house. He doesn't end up in jail. And he doesn't end up, you know... Um, uh, Becoming in charge, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting, interpreting the dreams, which ultimately would lead him in charge, which ultimately would bring God's people to Egypt, which would lead to the exodus, which would lead them to the land that God has promised them. You, he's not in the well, and if you think, I mean, it, he was in the well because that's how God had planned it, but if he hadn't been in that well, you erase all of that after that that doesn't happen. The Exodus is gone. I mean, we, our, our Bible would be a lot shorter. Okay? So this is really important. So being in the well is a part of God's plan. So let's go back to Potiphar's wife. Let's, let's go on. She is bold. Okay, let's talk about some good things about Potiphar's wife. She is bold. That's a good thing. Okay? God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of, of power and love and self-discipline. Okay, he, we're, we're called to be bold. Okay, what else? Uh, a minute ago, you pointed out that he was, uh, she was persistent. Okay, what else? I mean, if, if you're going to write a resume for Potiphar's wife, based on what we know, what are some good characteristics that we see of her? She's resourceful. <laughs> She's resourceful. Okay. She's creative. Okay, what else? Yes, I, I, I think so. Uh, continuing on the resume, she's um, uh, bold, she's persistent, she's resourceful, uh, she's d good with power by a large degree. It, it seems that she knew how to handle people by and large, maybe until um, this good-looking um, uh, Israelite comes along. Which she wouldn't have been called an Israelite just yet, but okay, what else? Yes, she's quick-thinking. <laughs> yes, she's dramatic. Oh, um, yes. 
She is, in my opinion, and I, I don't want to step on any toes, but she's an excellent, excellent politician. <laughs> I mean, she knows how to spin a story. And let's look at this. Let's look at um, her, the two stories that she has. They're short, but sh she repeats them. Notice what changes between these two stories. Okay, um, uh, let's see. Um, starting in verse uh, 13, uh, or, or let's say, uh, yeah, 13, when she saw that she had his cloak in her hand and he had run out of the house, she called to her house servants, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to, has, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. Okay, now let's jump down. Okay, um, well, 16, what does she do? She kept the cloak. She's got the evidence, and she's not going to let go of it. And then 17, do you notice the difference? Yes, yeah. Um, and do you see that there's some blame that gets placed in verse 17? What happened in verse 14? You get that? Yes. When, when she first yelled, she says, this Hebrew that is, you know, come to us, you know, uh, let's see, what's the word she used? This Hebrew has, uh, has been brought to us to make sport of us. But by the time Potiphar gets home, it's the Hebrew that you brought into us has made sport of me. Okay, so now she's really kind of spinning this to make um, Potiphar look bad. Okay, what else? Um, here, here's what I wrote down. Some of them are good, not so good. She is bold. She's persistent. She's cunning. She's vengeful. She's lustful. She's deceitful. And she's a quick thinker. Okay. Yes. Yes, she is. Um, I want to talk for just a second about some of the things that she lacked. Honesty. Morality, y'all are going right down the list. Self-control, okay. Maybe she uh, lacked a, a, a healthy relationship. Uh, and I'll pause for 10 seconds and say this, and, and somewhat you're, you're going to be immune to this, but there have been studies that have said over and over again that young girls, if they don't have a good relationship with their father, it's going to affect them when they get older. Uh, and, and that's a good point, that maybe because she didn't have a good relationship. Uh, for each of you, the relationship, for those of you who are married, the relationship that you have with your spouse is very important. There are, there are women who will maybe be lacking in a relationship, and they'll eventually find themselves in a place doing something with someone that they shouldn't be doing, they're trying to fill in some gaps, okay? And so it's important to always work on our relationships with, with our, uh, the special people in our lives. Okay, um, uh, she lacked morality, she lacked honesty, she lacked self-control. I'd say she lacked integrity because we don't see her hitting on Joseph when Potiphar is around. You know, integrity is being the same person at regardless of the time, so she lacked integrity. Uh, and she lacked loyalty. 
She wasn't loyal uh, to her husband. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's important to note that everything that she isn't, Joseph is. Joseph is a man of morality. Okay? Um, maybe, just maybe, it wasn't that uncommon for wives, you know, to, to have slaves. It certainly wasn't uncommon uh, for many of them for men to have concubines and multiple wives. And so maybe it was... But do you remember what he says? Here's something I thought that's really interesting about Joseph's comment. Um, to me, it seems like it was very well thought out. Do you notice that? I, it seems to me that he, he kind of had planned this, that this wasn't the first time uh, when he says this, with me in charge, he says, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one greater in this house, there's no one greater in the house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And what? And sin against God. Now this was undoubtedly a foreign concept to her. Because the Egyptians didn't worship Yahweh. And many of their gods, not only did they not think it was wrong to participate in this, they, in many ways, condoned it. That there were many gods, that the, the fertility gods, and, and there, there were these shrines that you could go to. And so this was kind of an unusual concept. But he had, in my opinion, he had this planned out. Um, okay, uh, let me just ask you this. Um, what's Potiphar's response? What do you think? Who's he angry with? Yeah, yeah, because if you read this, um, looking at verse um, 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. What are the last four words? He burned with anger. But, and I, I mean, I just want to speculate for a second because we kind of make the assumption he's mad at Joseph. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say he burned with anger against Joseph. It said he burned with anger. Now, yeah. I mean, look, look what happened when Joseph comes in. Everything changes. He notices that the Lord is with Joseph. And when Joseph touches something, it turns to gold. Everything's going well. And he has a wife, maybe, maybe not, has been chasing around boys. And this is the fifth or sixth servant that they've had to kick out. All of a sudden, she comes in and says, well, look what he did to me. And maybe, just maybe, Potiphar's thinking, here she goes again. And, and why, why can we speculate that? Maybe because, undoubtedly, he had every right to take this lowly Hebrew, who was a Hebrew and he was a slave, he had every right to take him out and kill him. And he didn't. And as Jennifer pointed out, not only should he not kill him, he, while he was put in prison, he wasn't with the hardened criminals. I mean, remember, he was with the, the cupbearer and the baker. The, these guys, one of them ultimately was restored to power. 
these were this was like the um, the light crimes division, okay? Misdemeanors, you know. He was just he was just doing his time, and so maybe quite possibly um, that when he burned with anger, maybe he was mad at Joseph. I, we don't know what Joseph said. Joseph. You know, we don't know if Joseph got to say, listen, let me tell you the whole story. Here's what really happened. Maybe we missed out on something. Yes. There was no um, fence-sitting position available here. I mean, he had to pick a side. He had to either say, you know, Joseph, you know, you're right, um, honey, you know, (laughs) see ya. (laughs) Uh, Or he had to say, you know, Joseph, you're wrong, honey. You know, you're right. I mean, he had to make a decision. Uh, and in my opinion, it was a lose-lose either way for him. He got stuck in a really bad position. Okay, so what can we glean from this? Okay, and I, here's what I want to take. Even though we, don't, we can't validate the historical accuracy of this, the one that we read earlier, because it proves my point, I'm going to stick with this one. <laughs> That maybe, possibly, in fact, she was somewhat of a virtuous woman. Uh, and the application that we can make today is, is what? <laughs> yeah, don't look at your servants. <laughs> Never put your guard down. I think this is a passage that if I'm, if I'm going to talk to a youth minister who just came out of college and he's all high and excited and ready to do everything, I'm going to sit him down and say, I want you to read this. And I want you to understand, you know, you may have a degree and you may be ready to go out and tackle the world. And you, you're, but let me tell you this. No one is so great that they can't fall. Uh, Jennifer and I have lots of conversations about this. This is a very personal aspect of our lives that I'll talk to you about. I, I love my wife more than anything in the whole world. I love my wife and she's beautiful and wonderful and great. And, you know, we, you know, we've, we've, we hear stories or see a movie and she says, if you ever cheat on me I'll kill you I'm gonna kill you (laughs) and I said you know I love you so much I would never do that and she says don't ever say that don't ever say you would never do it and she's got a great point don't ever say you're gonna do that Joseph I believe had to be very very intentional about maintaining his integrity he had to know that every time he walked into that house that there was a chance I suspect that maybe, I mean, it says that he stayed away from her. This was an accidental. We have to be prepared against the, the ways that Satan is going to tempt us. Uh, so there's lots of things I think we can learn from Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife. Uh, I, but I think most importantly, I think we're, we're called to be vigilant uh, in our devotion to God. Yeah, Potiphar certainly suffered, and Joseph suffered because of Potiphar. That's a great point. That when when you when you do things that are out of you know God's plan and His will, I'll just call it what it is. When you sin, there are consequences to those sins, and those consequences are not only limited to you. Those consequences they affect everybody else. It's it makes a ripple. That's right. To inches closer and closer. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, you know, I've, you've heard the story. You take a frog and throw him into boiling water, and he jumps out. But if you put a frog in and just lukewarm water, and then put it under a boiler, and slowly he'll eventually just boil. 
I don't know if that's true or not. I've never tried, and I, I, I don't want to encourage anyone trying that. But the thought is, you know, that's the way Satan works. He's not going to come to you and say, hey, you should do this. or Whoa, but, you know, just a little at a time. Okay, so let's shift gears for half a second because I think I, I'm, I, I feel comfortable enough saying that most of you, this may not be a struggle that you have, that you may not be saying, you know, I'm, I'm tracking down my, my husband's slave because he, you know, he looks really good. Um, but let's make a different one. Let's, let's step on some toes now and let's talk about something that is a, a very, a sin that just devastates people and family and churches is talking. Gossip. Um, it, it happens. Um, and I think um, maybe you're not a, someone who gossips. But um, if you're willing to be in the company of someone who does it, then you, you are not like, you're not running away from it. Uh, Jennifer had a, a friend who she would say, I know I shouldn't say this, but... <laughs> And that was like, I mean, she would throw that, that statement out pretty often and, and finally got to the point that Timber just says, well, then maybe you shouldn't say it because I, I don't need to hear it and I don't want to hear it. And, it, you know, and just kind of say, I, you know, you just have to be vigilant just because you're not the one that's, you know, here, telling it. By you being there, you're perpetuating it and you're giving them the sense that it's okay to tell people. And so there, this doesn't just apply to sexual sins and lust. This applies to all aspects of our life. And, and sometimes what, what you have to be willing to do is say, you know, I, I don't need to hear this. And, and it's, you, you don't need to tell it. And it's awkward and difficult. But if you care for that person and you don't want damage to continue, then you have to be willing to stop it. So who thought we could learn this much about Potiphar's wife? What not to do. <laughs> um, uh, and so I, th I think it's a, a good reminder uh, of both. If, in fact, she was a virtuous woman, that, in fact, and we read David was a virtuous man, a man after God's own heart. Wrong place, wrong time, up on the roof. And, and for, to read his, his poetry and to know the kind of man that he was, he did fall very far. But maybe for her, she didn't. Maybe this was her way of life. And I've, I've seen some people who were kind of like that. So we, we need to be... Uh, we need to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard. Uh, any other thoughts? So we close out 39? Yes. That's right. Uh, and if you're, for the, uh, DA says a lot. He has a lot of great things. This is one of them. The things that you permit are the things that you promote. Uh, and so um, if he had, if Joseph had continued to allow uh, Potiphar's wife to hang around, um, if he had permitted that, he was promoting that. Um, it, it was his vigilance in not getting around her. Um, you know, we read about in the New Testament, flee. That's a great word, because when I think of flee, this is not like a casual stroll. This is like running away. Uh, flee from sin. You know, I, none of the commentaries I had addressed that issue. They just talked about that, hey, he didn't, he wasn't killed. I, I don't know. I would think my guess is because he had been entrusted with so much that he probably listened to what Joseph had to say. I, I would suspect if it was me, I'd have been a little curious. I would have been and said, okay, here's your shot. I doubt that, although that would have been a, a great thing to do, except the fact that, um, hey, um, Potiphar, um, you know, r right after I went out and, you know, 
did some work for you. I came inside and your wife was scantily dressed, which is to say she didn't have anything on and she, she you know, make an advance at me, which is to say she said, lie with me. Um, I, I could be wrong in that. I mean, that would have been a tough situation. Yeah, and and the, <laughs> that's right, Wendy. That's a good, and the, some of the commentators hit on that, like, hey, she, you know, she wasn't dumb. I mean, she probably planned it. You know, she had the candlelight going and the soft music playing, and yeah, that that would have been a sticky situation to go and and tell your boss that his wife has been hitting on you for a long time. Uh, so that would have been tough, and that brings up a lot of issues, none of which we have time to talk about. But um, thank goodness, because I'm starting to sweat here. <laughs> <laughs> Can I hit something a little lighter next week? <laughs> so, okay, uh, any more? Any more thoughts? Okay, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, but, um, you know, she's standing there. She's holding his jacket. She had clearly been in the wrong, and the, the, the phrase came to mind, hell hath no fury like a scorned woman. And that's when she said, aha, this is his coat. He's in here. She said, if he won't have me, then he's going to have nothing. So uh, that's a note to myself. Never, <laughs> never, never, never uh, upset a woman. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, close out with a prayer. God, I just want to thank you so much uh, for reminding us um, through women of virtue and, and women um, who, who uh, have sinned in their life, that we can learn something from that. And the same thing with, with men as well, is that there's, um, there, there's always an opportunity for us to learn how to better glorify you. And Lord, what I pray more than anything else is that we don't let anything become, uh, let anything come between, between uh, us and our relationship with you. And that we will flee from any type of sin, anything that would pull us away from you and that we stay devoted to you and be people of integrity. Uh, thank you again uh, for these women and the way that they have brought life to this story and have allowed it to, to penetrate into our lives today uh, where we can learn to be more faithful to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.